podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Leading Edge Cricket, a cricket podcast riding high after appearing on the chase. That is right. I'm Rob. This is Rich. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing, mate? Are we, are we not changing this to an ice hockey podcast? Oh, mm. mate, it, mate, this is this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Left field. Reason. I woke up yesterday morning and my WhatsApp has gone mental from you and other people going, I swear I've just seen your podcast on the chase. What sport is the subject of the Leading Edge podcast? Linda, I spent cricket. What club runs the good system? It's official. We were a question on the chase. The team's final chase. We were a question. What sport would you associate with the Leading Edge podcast? What's the answer? Ice hockey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But then they said, no, cricket. Oh. Awesome. Kudos, we're, we're, thank you thank to whoever is the people that do the questions. If somebody's listening, yeah, that is who set that question. Good on you. Awesome. Love you. Oh, mate. <laughs> emotional roller coaster yesterday. Very, <laughs> very, very happy. And to to top it off, mate, we've had since the last podcast we've done, we've gone over a thousand subscribers. So a big thank you to everyone that's supported the channel so far. Like, subscribe you. wherever you're listening to this. Check us out on YouTube if you're listening on the podcast mm-hmm. platforms. And we've had three days of amazing cricket, tension-filled oh, yeah. cricket, and some Cinderella stories. Yeah, big time. There's a lot to get through, isn't there? So let's get into it, because this is maybe some cricket that some of you haven't been really been watching. It's the qualifying section of the World Cup. If you think the World Cup starts tomorrow, well, it, it sort of does. But it didn't. <laughs> it started last week. We've had days of cricket here. Um, we obviously got it underway with Group A. The host Omar made an incredible start, beat Papua New Guinea by 10 wickets. We know about that. We spoke about it last time. Scotland also shocked sixth rank. Bangladesh beat them by six runs. And then Group B, it was Sri Lanka over Namibia. A huge victory for Ireland in a crucial matchup with Netherlands, which is still causing problems for Netherlands. Um, but that's where we got to the last time we recorded, Rob. So should we get everyone up to date as quick as possible? A summary of possible. Well, it won't be as quick as possible. We're going we're gonna to give every game a little bit of credit, aren't we? Because it, it deserves we it. We are. Go get, game five, PNG, Scotland. Yeah, so I'll rattle through it and then you know jump in where you want on any of these, Rob. So yeah, um, so Papua New Guinea, Scotland. So Scotland, they built on the opening game win, didn't they? They made it two and two, 17 run win against Papua New Guinea, thanks in large part to a man of the match knock, Richie Barrington. Good knock, 70 from him. Um, they got 165 for nine, which would have been a chunk more if it wasn't the late innings handbrake that was slammed on by Papua New Guinea. Four wickets in the final over from Cabo Morea. Uh, there was a run out in there. There was no hat tricks, whatever, but four wickets in the final over. They did an awesome job. Uh, they really fought hard. Supervan, Norman, Vanua, Swift 47 in the chase, but they fell 17 short. Josh Davey looking good again, four for 18 off 3.3 overs. I think that qualifies as looking good. Yeah, solid, really good performance by Scotland. They batted well, which, it, you know, they beat Bangladesh, but the Bangladesh performance was built on heart and, and taking wickets at key moments and, and kind of closing out the game with good bowling. Mm. This was about putting a score on the board. 165 for an associate team is going to be really hard to chase. And 165 for a PNG team, which is probably the weaker of the associate yeah. nations at the competition, um, is, is a really good position. Scotland may be a little bit disappointed as well. They, they fell apart at the end, lost a lot of wickets. Um, yeah. Six wickets falling in those last few overs. But yeah. they held strong. Barrington scoring runs is a good piece to go. They'll be wanting Munzee and, and Kurtzer to go in and get a score as well. But... Uh, better team won Scotland you'd expect to win and PNG not disgracing themselves however you you just really wanted to see more of their batting line up the top six fire 
Yeah, absolutely. It was tough going for them, but they, they, they certainly can hold their heads up. Um, they fielded well. They performed well. I mean, it's a pretty good game of cricket they played. They were just a little bit short. Uh, yeah. Barrington being obviously the difference. So, Aman uh, Bangladesh, Aman got off to an incredible start, didn't they? They hammered Papua New Guinea, who we've just spoke about. It was a 10-wicket win in that one. Uh, they took on, you'd say Bangladesh were pretty much qualifying favourites, a six-ranked team in the world T20. Um, and they had to win this game in order to make sure they could get through. Um, Bangladesh, 153, as Oman dismissed them, exactly 20 overs. We've seen this a few times in this, this so far. 20 overs to the ball. Uh, teams seem to bat, but be all out. Um, the drop catches cost them, though. Mohamed Name, 64, main benefactor. He was dropped twice early on. You cannot, cannot do that if you're going to, uh, win games of cricket in the T20 uh, series, especially with these top players at the top of the order. Um, Shakib Al-Hassan hit a classy 42. He was run out. And then the, again, impressive Bilal Khan. He looks quick. And we spoke about him a few times already. Three for 18 for that guy. He looks an impressive uh, performer. Um, this score of 153 for Bangladesh, it was just too much for Oman. 127 for nine, they ended with. Bangladesh won by 26 runs. Jatinder Singh again top scored. He got 72 not out, I want to say, in the first game. 40 in this game. Uh, Mustafa Sir Rahman grabbed four for 36 for Bangladesh. Shaki Palsan, three for 28 on the way to his deserved man of the match and left Bangladesh in a really strong position, um, especially when they had the last game was going to be Papua New Guinea, uh, which has been played now, obviously. But uh, yeah, Bangladesh have fought back strong in this one. Yeah, they did, mate. And it was a rough start, 29 for two at the start. And it, like you said, it could have been much worse. The, the, the level of catching was very second team club cricket-esque. It was, mm -hmm. it was pretty shoddy. But That's there were the nice moments thrown in with, with the run out as well. Bilal Khan should be looking at getting some sort of T20 contract in one mm. of the maybe lesser leagues around the world and starting to build his name. Because as an mm. opening bowler, he's getting the best shape out of the competition from anyone I've seen. And his paces are always around 83, 84 mile an hour. So, again, giving a, a really, really good account of himself. The, the thing that really killed a man during their run chase was dot balls, mate. They just got yeah. bogged down in, in periods. Uh, Taskin Ahmed bowling 90 mile an hour, nine dot balls. But then Raman, 17 dot balls from his four overs. That doesn't take a mathematician to work out. That's about 73% of his balls. But the other runs went for 36. So they had no problem going dot, 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 mm. dot, six or dot, 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 four. But they mm. just backed themselves into a corner. And it's that quality of gamesmanship and being in these positions more and more which may change the outcome of the game where they're good enough to start chasing um, totals of, of 140. Yeah, absolutely. It's the experience of these competitions as well, isn't it? Obviously, they're playing the associate competitions, but getting into these pressure situations, mm. it's more difficult, isn't it? Suddenly, the gaps aren't as easy to find. The, the gaps get smaller almost, don't they? Or the fielders seem to be blocking everywhere. It's just the way it is. All the way through to today's games, uh, the final games of the group, we've seen the same thing, that people are just not, making the most there are too many dot balls they're not they're not maneuvering things well enough or or not attacking early on in innings enough uh something else that i've noticed through this competition but uh, it is what it is so let's let's move it on to namibia netherlands now we're getting into the good stuff <laughs> this is the good stuff this was incredible historic we don't like to use that word too often but historic six wicket win for namibia six balls remaining against netherlands that meant qualification of the dutch side would be well, basically impossible. Uh, Max O'Dowd followed up his 51 um, in the first innings with a competition high score of 70, or at least joint uh, high score. Uh, he was leading run scorer after this. Uh, Colin Ackerman also chipped in with 35, but they, they didn't score quickly enough. It's just what we spoke about. Um, they were 164 for four. If you've got four wickets down, you've got room to score more yeah. against a, a nation, with all due respect to Namibia, who have been brilliant. 
but you've got to be scoring more runs if you're Netherlands with the with the names of the players that they've got, with the experience that this Netherlands team have got. They've played first class cricket. They should be doing more than this. So it's a disappointing one for them. They've got themselves to blame, but credit to the Namibian att attack. They bowled really steadily, but fielding did not help their efforts. Another one of those performances from one of these teams. Um, in response, though, Namibia got off to a good start. Bard and Green put on 34 in four overs. Netherlands then fought back, got them three down. So it was a real back and forth encounter, this one was. But then it got fun. David Weiser was joined by Gerard Erasmus or Gerard Erasmus, depending on where you're from and how you pronounce his first name. They put on 93 for the fourth wicket before the skipper was removed near the end for 32. But Weiser saw them home 40 ball unbeaten 66. First ever T20 World Cup victory for them with an over to spare and their highest ever successful T20 international chase. Yeah. David Weiser... Man of the match, I'm sure you'll start with him or you'll get to him very quickly, but that was some some performance. Yeah, absolute class, mate. It, it's having someone like that coming into your team actually is a game changer because mm. it, it's not a derogatory comment, but he's as good, if not better, at batting and bowling than anyone else in that team. So he's had in huge value and someone that's just come from playing in the PSL this year, plays county cricket. He, he, he's done it all. And he's so experienced that this sort of match situation and this sort of pressure isn't new to him. So he can go in there and he can perform to the best of his ability and do it. He he definitely did. And it, we'll see it again in the next game with the just the ability for someone to come in and know their game and know they can score 20, 30 at strike rate of 150, 160 is absolutely it's game changing for associate nations coming in at four and five and having that depth. Um just a, a superb performance. Netherlands will be disappointed, mate. This is 164 is a good score, but it could have been a much better score. They didn't chew up a load of dot balls during the in, uh, during the innings. However, Trumpelman, great name, 11 dot balls, mm. bowled pretty well throughout. But no one supported Max O'Dad enough. Colin Ackerman, great player, came in, 32 balls, scored at a strike rate of 109. He's mm. helped put a score on the board. But again, a 164 score when there's no real support for Max O'Dowd, who's been absolutely superb throughout the competition, it, it's not quite good enough. And I think it will sting a little bit for Netherlands again, that maybe they were in a good position and maybe they've just not quite executed the full 20 overs like they'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd like to say the tournament got as bad as it did for that game for Netherlands, but it got worse. Spoiler. <laughs> we'll get to it in a little bit. Ireland, Sri Lanka. This was a huge, huge one for Ireland as well. But Sri Lanka, obviously, they made it two and two. Solid 70-run win. They cruised to victory over Ireland. Um, 171 for them. Opener, Patham Nisanka, it's 61. But superstar in the making, Wanadu Hasaranga de Silva. Man of the match, 71 or 47 that caught the eye um, for them compiling that total. Um, it wasn't plain sailing for Sri Lanka, though. It was reduced to eight for three early on. Left arm seamer Josh Little taking two and two and anyway figures of four for 23. But it was Hasaranga and Nisanka that rebuilt brilliantly. Uh, Mark Adair... He was key for them again. Uh, he took two for 23, uh, bringing up his 50th T20 international wicket in the process. Um, in, the, in reply, this is where it really hurts for Ireland. Only two players in the whole innings hit double figures on the way to being all out for 101. Skipper Al Al Andy Balburnie, 41, and Curtis Camper, 24, who's been a bit of a revelation for them. Um, team effort with the ball from Sri Lanka, 18.3 overs that were done in. Just disappointing from Ireland. Who, who They had to have a huge performance now. The pressure was on against Namibia in the winner-takes-all matchup, which we're going to come to very shortly. Yeah, it, it is. Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, I think you can say, do look better than the associate nations. As a general, I feel like their overall game plan and the overall players that's on, on view mm. is better, but that's not to be expected. But I have been 
pleasantly surprised by Sri Lanka, who historically over the, since the last uh, T20 World Cup have been the worst T20 team um, out of the mm. kind of the top end nations yeah. that, that's mm. going on. But 171 is a really good position. I've got to ask the question. Paul Sterling was superb in the first game. Bold is one, mm. one over at the start of the innings for one. Here he got one for four off one overs, but they don't bring him back on for an over. Like, mm. am I missing something that he's only good enough for that initial one over and they think, oh, the next time he's going to go around the park? Because if, if it's working, um, mm. why not try and do it? But they, they do look like they're lacking a little bit of depth around the batting department at the moment, mm. Ireland. If Sterling and O'Brien doesn't fire at the start mm. it puts it backs them into such a wall that you're asking a, maybe a little bit too much Belburnie's played well in the competition but mm. everyone else hasn't quite been able to go on and add the value and when you're chasing like six overs down Sri Lanka were 47 for three Ireland were 41 for three but Ireland's mm. three key players at the top have already kind of gone by that stage and yeah. whereas Sri Lanka have got someone coming in the middle order again depth Coming in and scoring seventy one, and that that's that feels like the big the big gap at the moment. Yeah, big time. I want to speak about Sri Lanka. So when we've got through these games, Sri Lanka did finish it off actually. Dave. So I'd love to talk about them because I, I think they've got a nice setup. Uh, batting, obviously, like you spoke about Ireland, that's a big concern for Sri Lanka as well as they go forward against the big boys. Uh, but they're they're a really interesting team for me. Um, Ireland, you're absolutely right. I mean, was it Delaney got some runs in the first game? Balburn is there, Camp has come through, he's done well as an all-rounder, but they haven't quite got that X factor in the side. Um, and it's shown, hasn't it, really, in these performances. Uh, Bangladesh, Papua New Guinea, we're, we're getting through, we're getting up to date here. So, um, obviously, first game stuff up for Bangladesh, but they clinched their second win, beating Papua New Guinea by a huge 84-run margin and jumped them in second spot as they gave themselves every chance of qualification as they went into the last round of games. Um, they did obviously have to still wait for the outcome of the Oman-Scotland game, but it gave them a chance and they were going to get through unless something dramatic happened. Um, so after losing Mohamed Name first ball of the innings, he tried to give his wicket away in the last game, but got runs. But in this one, he was out first ball of the innings. Um, Bangladesh still recovered, put on an intimidating 181 for seven. Uh, Skipper Mamadullah uh, top scored with 50, while Shakib Hassan struck 46 off 37, including a lovely one-handed six down the ground. <laughs> which was his last scoring shot before getting dismissed. Um, got to say, he was caught in the deep, sensational diving forward catch from Charles Amini. Um, if you haven't seen it, have a look for it if you can, or watch the five-minute highlights of this game. Probably the catch of the World Cup so far. Hopefully we'll see that again as, the, as, as more eyes start getting uh, drawn to this competition. Um, the Re Papua New Guinea reply, they were never really in this chase. It's, it's pretty sad, really. They found themselves at 29 for seven in the 10th over. Ah, it's just a bad day, isn't it? Um, they did give some respect, though. They finally dismissed for 97 in the last over, which was Kipling Dariga, basically. He was left stranded on 46, not out of 34 balls. He batted superbly um, to give the scorecard a nice little look um, compared to what it could have been. Um, ask Netherlands if you're not sure what that would look like. Um, Shakib Al-Hassani then took an unreal four for nine in his four overs to add to his 46 runs. Um, another man of the match award, and those wickets gave him another record, Rob, to add to his collection. Previous to this, we spoke about in the first game, he was the leading wicket-taker in all T20 internationals now. He's now pipped Shahid Afridi and Lassif Malinga as a leading wicket-taker in T20 World Cups with 39 victims. Wow. What a player, mate. What a player. Yeah. He's just consistent. Even when he's not flying, he's, he's consistent. Mm. Like, he's adding runs at number three. Yeah. And sure, he hasn't been at his fluent best batting at number three, but he's still doing a job and 46 mm. at a strike rate of 124 here. It is about runs on the board and putting yourself into a into a winning position. 
I do. I just wonder with this Bangladesh team, if you had Tammy Nickbell at the top, who was the top, I think he was the top run scorer back in 2016, mm. mate. It's, it's, it's a little, it, it adds just that bit of quality and bit of spice yeah. to it. Mm, yeah, well, good players will, will help good to, you know, improve teams, won't it? It's simple as that. So it's, it's such a shame he's not involved. But there are players looking like they are trying to pick the slack up a little bit. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see how they do fare against the bigger nations. But they've got something about them, this team. There's something there. Shaq about Hazam back. Um, obviously, his indiscretions, as we keep calling it, why he got himself a year, was it a year ban with a year suspended or something? You know, what a ridiculous thing he did. I, I, I can't even remember exactly what it was, and I don't want to go into it, but what a difference he makes. He's arguably the finest all-rounder in white ball cricket. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's a few would like to argue that point, but he's up there. You know, look at his record, you know, leading wicket-taker in, t- in T20 World Cups ever, leading wicket-takers in T20 internationals. You know, this guy's a player, isn't he? Useful player. Um, I want to touch yeah. on one PNG player, and that's Charles Amini, mate. Yeah, and he a- had a pretty... <laughs> bad couple of games. He scored 37 and looked quality against a man in the first game. He looked like a complete different player in the field to anything else that was around him. He looked like a real live wire. Jonty Rhodes at backward point, involved in the game every single second. Got run out stupidly against Scotland for one and finished the tournament with one here. And I feel that's a real disappointment for someone of his quality. I feel like the, we spoke about it at the start. This is a shop window for these guys to try and get contracts in the in the Bangladesh Premier League and, and start to get a little bit of notoriety because it's worked mm. for Afghanistan cricket. They've got players playing all around the world that are good enough to play all around the world. And I feel like Charles Amini may, may be down the road one of those players that is good mm. enough, but two back-to-back ones to finish the tournament is, is a little bit of a shame for him. And I think PNG, when you look at their top order, getting absolutely railroaded where it's your number mm. eight coming in and getting double figures and the first guy to do it, they're, they're going to be disappointed, but this was a, a huge World Cup for them. To be able to qualify was mm. the first time they've ever done it, and it means a lot, and it aired on free-to-air TV over in Papua New Guinea, and hopefully it's brought more eyes to the prize around what, mm. what their team is all about. I think the way they've got to look at this is this is a start of a journey for that group of players, isn't it? It's, it's a, a relatively young nation, and we've got to emphasise it again. They have played next to no cricket in the build-up to this yeah. in the last year or so, probably a couple of years. So that, what they've done... The fact they've even made games of it um, is quite an amazing achievement. It's not saying here's your participation medal, but they've, they've accounted them, you know, give a good, good account of themselves, haven't they? So it's, they, they seem a good group of players. They seem together. They've not let their heads drop and they, they seem like they've enjoyed it, even though they've been on the wrong side of it. Um, but fair play to them. I'm sure they'll come back strong. Um, so let's wrap up Group B. The last game for Group B was Oman against Scotland. This was a big one. Uh, obviously, after the big Bangladesh win, it was a must-win for Oman. And unfortunately, for the host nation, it was not to be. Scotland claimed an eight-wicket win to clinch their place in Group 2 of the Super 12. And it actually meant Scotland finished top. Uh, Bangladesh finished second. Um, so, Oman batting first, they had a nightmare start. Jatinder Singh was run out second ball. He got 70 not out on 40 in his previous two games. It shows you how important he was for Oman to be out in the first over. It's, it's, almost, it's not quite game over, but you, it's a big chunk of runs that's not going to be scored, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously not what they wanted. They got themselves up to 93 for four in the 14th over, but wickets just kept tumbling and tumbling, ultimately restricted 122 um, all out, again, in exactly 20 overs. Zishan Maksud, the skipper, hit 34 after opener Akiba Ilyas struck 37. Um, Josh Davey, man of the match performance, three for 25. Michael Leask and Safian Sharif both playing two apiece, the spinner. Uh, and then in reply, Scott's made relatively short work of it. Simply got to say that. Um, they finished 123 for two, 17 overs for the loss of just two wickets. Munzee uh, went for 20 and skipper Kyle Kurtzer, a brisk, I think we can call it, 41. 
Um, and Matthew Cross, 21 not out with Richie Berrington, 31 not out to add to his big score in the first game. See them home and through in top spot. So final positions, I'll just quickly say final positions and then jump into that game if you want. But Scotland have finished top with six points. Bangladesh, second on four. Oman with a solo win in, se- in third place, just missing out. And Papua New Guinea, unfortunately, lost three out of three. So Scotland through in first place, Bangladesh also through. Good performance by Scotland. I've been so impressed mm. by their bowling unit, particularly... Yeah. The ability to bowl for 20 overs, which sounds a bit daft, but you've got to do it for 20 overs. So many times you see a team on top for 14 overs and then it goes. Then someone gets in and can blow the game out and all of a sudden you're chasing 160 instead. Here, they were superb. They were 103 for six after 17 overs and 122 for 10 after 20 overs. That last over went for only five runs and three wickets. Josh Davey getting it done, picking up a couple and a run out thrown into it. And that is so important. For associate nations because normally you find a weak link that someone's going to target and the score blows out and all of a sudden the chase mm. is a stretch rather than having control and here 123 for two off 17 overs strike rate is 7.23 kyle kurtz scoring runs is massive mm. for this team he's really struggled in this tournament so far before this game and this mm. is the first game where he looked like oh yeah i'm starting to get the pace of the pitch here i kind of understand clean clean what, hitting yeah what's mm. going on i think they're like another knock from george munsey everyone's looking forward mm. to seeing the big man hit it long and hit it far and so far he's just he's getting there 20s 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 i think we're uh, one day this is going to click and he's going to get some big runs but superb yeah. by scotland good depth good quality well-rounded team i'd say yeah, they've got some, got some talent with the ball, haven't they? They've got some seamers there. The spinners, obviously, complementing. They could surprise a team. I think yeah. they could do what they did to England <laughs> quite a few years ago um, in, in white ball cricket. But who was it? Was it Ireland that got one over England yes. quite early on in their days, wasn't it? Holland, Netherlands, they did it against England as well. So Scotland, there is a, there is a shock to be had, I'm sure, in this tournament for them before it's all said and done. Right, over today, Group A got wrapped up. So we had Ireland, Namibia, and then Netherlands and Sri Lanka. We're going in order? Let, let's do Netherlands, Sri Lanka first. It'll be brief, let's put it that way. Um, this is not what Netherlands came to this tournament for. They'd lost the first two games, obviously. Sri Lanka had won. They were already qualified. Not much to play for in this one. It's just what it is, but... It's just such a frustration. I feel for Netherlands before I even start talking here. Um, okay, so Netherlands were put into bat and they made the worst possible start of the competition. Leading runs going Max O'Dowd. He was run out in the first over. If he gets a good one, you kind of don't mind a little bit, do you? But run out in the first over. Starman, it's not going to work. Um, by the end of the power play, they'd slumped to 37 for six and then it was 44 all out, 44 all out in 10 overs. I mean, come on. Spin Twins uh, mesmerised the Dutch batters. That was Hasaranga taking three for nine off three and Mahesh Diksana two for three off his solo over. I think he left the field at that point. Not sure if it's an injury, what it was, but hopefully that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Um, hopefully he's fit. So Lahiru Kamara then polished off the Indians, taking three for seven, took the last two wickets. One minor positive for Netherlands. This was the, only the second lowest T20 World Cup score ever. 44 all out. It was only the second, Rob, so it wasn't the worst. Oh, hang on a sec. Sorry. They also hold the worst score ever, 39 oh. all out. Back in 2014 against Sri Lanka. Oh, sorry, Netherlands. It can at, least it didn't break, yeah, at least they didn't break their own record. So, That's true. Well, bless what, them. What can you say, mate? This is a, this is a brutal, shambolic finish for them. And it's, it, it's the thing that keeps happening in this tournament. One brings two is a really old mm. saying in cricket and club cricket. You're always there, yeah, come on, one brings two when they're 200 for yeah. one off 30 overs. But <laughs> yeah. it, it's slightly different here. Mm. Uh, I think Shana picked up two over two wickets in the same over in the third over. 
Hasaranga De Silva, two wickets um, in the fifth over, and then three wickets by Kumara in the 10th over, 44 for 10 all out. It's just bunches. There's seven wickets gone within the space of 18 balls of an innings, although spaced out. That says a lot about it. And I think what we're all seeing is this Sri Lankan bowling unit in these conditions is actually shaping up like it's going to be pretty nice. And then it's pretty standard. They knocked them off in seven overs. N- nothing really flashy about it. No huge sixes going on. In fact, not a six even thrown onto it. They just went about the business. They're chasing 44 in 20 overs, mate. Like <laughs> All we've got to do easy. is win. Exactly, yeah. Kusa Pereira, you've got him as well opening up at the moment. He hit unbeaten 33, saw the moment, 7.1 overs, eight-wicket win. Um, Brandon Glover, he, he looks quite sharp, though, for uh, Netherlands. He's a North Ants paceman. He took Nisanka out for, for, for a duck. Um, but, yeah, there's not much you can say for Netherlands either, is there? Three defeats in three. Um, with such a team with, I'd say, relative household names. Um, you know, you've got to be a bit of a cricket tragic to know half these boys. But, you know, if, if you know cricket, you know half these guys who have been in county cricket and have been around. Such a disappointment when we thought that they would be a toss of the coin to qualify yeah. uh, alongside Sri Lanka. And in the end, they finished bottom of the group. Yeah, um, It's going to be an interesting one as well with Sri Lanka. They've played in Sharjah again. Um, they've got some strong spinners. They've played, performed really well on that surface. And they start the, the, the Super 12 competition in Sharjah as well against Bangladesh. So spinners, Shaki Balzam, Bangladesh, but also the, the, the chaps we've just spoke about for Sri Lanka. They're going to impress a few people. And this Sri Lankan team, like you said about this bowling attack, you've got Chamika Karunaratne, Dushmanta Chamira, who Chamira is the lead of the attack, isn't he, for me? Yeah. Um, you've then got Lahiru Kamara as well, who he's, a, he's a quite, a, you know, if you're not aware of him, he's got a good build. He looks like a fast boy. He's got a great beard. Great beard. Put a pair of black rim glasses on him and it's Ramesh Ranganathan, if you know the, the comedian. It's just, it's a dead spit. But the two spinners are so impressive. You've got Mahis Taksana and Wanidu Harasaranga. They just look a balanced attack. They've got something that can, can kind of counterattack anybody. The batting is where the question is going to be. But I, I'm starting to just get on back on board the Sri Lankan train yeah. and think that they could do something in the, uh, in the Super 12 part of this competition. I hope they do, mate. And I, I feel any subcontinent team that's played uh, the majority of their cricketing life on pitches similar um, are going to be putting themselves in good position if they're in form. And it makes it incredibly difficult for other teams to turn up and do well against spin on slow wickets, spin where it's gripping and, and things like that. And, you know, you'll see a lot of catches caught out on the boundary with people not quite sure of the best approach, how to score runs in the middle overs. You might see people just getting caught out on the boundary rather than working it around and going at eight and over for a period to build before you go again. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, let's get on to the main event then. This is what it all came down to. We know Sri Lanka had already qualified, but who was it going to be? Ireland or Namibia? Everyone's lumping on Ireland, but after what Namibia did in the second game to get that win, who knows? And this was an absolute winner-takes-all matchup, and it ended up with another historic win for Namibia, led brilliantly by skipper Gerard Erasmus. I've got to call him that. Gerard. <laughs> Gerard. Yeah. Um, so let's just go have, let's work it through. So back for Ireland, they, they got 125 for eight. It's not enough, is it? It's just not enough. Um, all the uh, all the runs being scored at the top of the order between Paul Sterling, Kevin O'Brien, and Captain Al- Andy Balburnie. They took them to ninety four for three off fourteen point two overs. You think they can build from there? Five overs to go. You've got to go at least fives, uh, tens, haven't you? From there. Yeah. Uh, and simple, simple as after the start they had, they should have posted a bigger total. But I'd say some canny bowling from the likes of Jan Frylink, three for twenty nine. JJ Smith one for twenty seven, and that man again, David Weiser, two for twenty two, restricted them to that one hundred and twenty five for eight. So. 
it was Namibia's game to win at this point, I think. But they, it was a bit of a back and forth innings. Craig Williams at the top of the order, he went for 15. He was looking like he was going off like a train, but it was a great catch by 37-year-old Kevin O'Brien, who ended up having to bowl a few balls as well. Uh, I'll come on to that, but there was an injury uh, to one of the bowlers. Uh, Curtis Camford got that early wicket. Really, really important wicket. But Mark Adair, he looked dangerous. Should have had Erasmus LBW when he first arrived at the crease. Yes. But it was given not out and not reviewed. Crucial, crucial. You can't do that. Um, can't it, do that. it looked out. You, yeah. I'm watching it and you're going, that's out. That's out. Appeal. Review. Got to do it. Um, but that's what it is. It got worse in the same over. Mark Adair pulled, got a side strain. Really important bowler for Ireland. He couldn't complete the over. So Kev O'Brien had to jump in. Um, and finished the over. He bowled a bit more as well. Uh, Sterling wasn't on the field in the second innings either. Um, he did get 38 early in the day. I don't know what it was. I didn't catch it all, but maybe I think he might have got a bit of a niggle or something as well. Um, Camper struck again in the 13th over to dismiss the other opener, Zane Green, for 24. They were looking okay at this sport, Namibia, but it was definitely nip and talk who was going to get it. But then Vicer joined Erasmus. Same as the second game. That was it. Game over. Eight-wicket win. Nine balls remaining. Vice a man of the match award again, finished 28 not out of 14. Or Erasmus, 53 of 49. Vice in his uh, man of the match uh, interview afterwards said, I shouldn't be standing here. The captain, Gerard Erasmus, should be standing here. He deserves this award today. And I can't disagree with him at all. That 53 is off 49 balls, but he anchored the innings. Good job they didn't, uh, the umpire didn't give him out. But uh, yeah, after the first T20 World Cup win last time out, this was their first win against a test playing nation. Takes him through to Super 12s. Remarkable achievement. I'm going to call them gritty. I think they deserve the Dean Elgar gritty label as a nation. Why not, mate? Why not? I, I think this is similar to some teams we've spoken about, but Ireland kicking themselves, mate. They had a wonderful mm. start, 55 for none off the first six overs, and then things started to change. And Namibia were really clever about their bowling. They didn't let bowlers bowl back-to-back overs. So they mm. were constantly rotating. And, and mm. what that does is it, it creates uncertainty. It's not like, you know, oh, I know this bowler. It's always something yeah. fresh coming in. And it just completely slowed down. Eighth over, mm. dot, dot wicket, one, one, one. And then you, from there you go, there's two runs off the next, three off the next, four off the next. And all of a sudden mm. the pressure is building on. Yeah. And there was just a constant trickle of wickets, particularly at the end. It's okay to go slower, David Milan, if you can <laughs> go on and score mm later on but here they found themselves 101 for three with four overs left and only went and added 24 and, and lost another five wickets so they really mm. the, the credits got to go to the to the bowlers who managed to bowl good deliveries uh, David Visa was superb with his mm. slow balls that were being bowled I was just I was really really impressed but you, you are right as soon as the wicket came 77 for two ish wicket comes mm. And then Visa comes in and he just went bang. He picked up Craig Young, mm. stuck him in the stands twice off the very next over. And that completely changed <laughs> the trajectory of the game. And any any issues around it being a really close game are completely gone. And they finished strong, 4-1-4. Really mm. good. Great to see the emotions and the passion of the oh, team yeah. running on the pitch at mm. the end going, yeah, we've done it. This is bloody awesome. <laughs> We're going to play yeah. more cricket. This is great. Yeah, we, we spoke, we, met, we said the word historic after their first win of this competition, but after this one in the qualification, it genuinely is historic. So good to see a nation like Namibia. Yeah, it, you know, We would have been saying the same if Papua New Guinea had done it. It's that same sort of level of nation in cricket, isn't it? They've, they've just done astounding. David Weiser is just an inspired pickup. Um, the fact that he's come across, he's obviously got South, a, a World Cup experience, international experience with South Africa. To have a man like him, a talisman, um, somebody that's playing with an absolute freedom to his game as much freedom those flowing locks just show you 
and tell you what freedom this man lives with now. You can imagine him walking around his flip-flops and board shorts. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's a happy guy. He's playing like a man that just knows his game inside out and he's loving his cricket. Um, and they deserve it. I just, I really hope they can do something and, and make a name for themselves as everyone's tuning into the World Cup that starts uh, Saturday. So Sri Lanka topped the group of six, three and three. Namibia, second place. They qualify, as we said, two wins and a loss. Ireland, uh, one win, two losses. And Netherlands, winless. Um, a disaster of a tournament for Netherlands. Don't know where they go from here. Um, it just they just seemed such a disjointed look inside. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. I'm not blaming Capsi or anything like that, but just it didn't look like a flowing eleven. It didn't. They just didn't really get into their work at yeah. any point. Um, yeah, just a tough one, isn't it? And, and Ireland, like you said, really going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to add before we look ahead to uh, to the games uh, coming up? No, I, I, I don't think so. Just if, if we're going to call a few players out, I think Shakib Al Hassan has been mm-hmm. incredible. Nine wickets from 12 overs, mate. An average yep. of six with the ball and an economy rate of 4.5. Is, why, why are Bangladesh winning games? That That is, that is yeah. one of the reasons. And think yeah. Shana as well. He's got an economy rate of five with eight wickets um, off his nine overs incredible strike rate of 6.7 from three games. So uh, it's, mm. it's a few players. It's a few players doing things well that are, that are really creating the difference. Yeah, absolutely. The two Namibians, Weisser and Erasmus, obviously they, they really impressed, haven't they? Uh, Jatinder Singh for Oman scored some good runs. Max O'Dowd for Holland, obviously couldn't do it in the last innings. But when you get run out, you're not going to do it, are you? Yeah. Um, before you've... Uh, just trying to think if there's anyone else. A couple of the bowlers, perhaps. Um, Bilal Khan, Davey, obviously. Davey from Scotland has Josh really Davey. impressed. Yep. Eight wickets, yep. uh, economy rate of 5.82, average of 5.37, strike rate of 8.6. And uh, Kamara from Sri Lanka as well, a strike rate of yeah, 9. I like, seven I like him. Yeah, he's, Like I say, he's, he's something about him. He's got a really good build to him. Um, he, he just looks steady. He looks like a real solid performer, someone that they can, they can rely on. Um, and Sri Lanka, you know, Lord knows they need players that they can rely on after the, the sort of shambolic couple of years or year or so they've had. But they look like they're a together unit there as well. Winning games helps, but I just I have a feeling Sri Lanka might impress a few people. Yeah. So let's look ahead to Super 12s then. Group 1, now we know who's going to be playing who. So Group 1 is Australia, England, South Africa, West Indies, and they're joined by Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Uh, over in Group 2, we, we have Afghanistan, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, Scotland and the second Southern African team to be in this competition now in Namibia. Um, how does that change? How does that shake up the squads, Rob? What do you think is going to happen now? Um, I actually think if, if I'm putting my Kiwi hat on, I actually think that is the best possible outcome the Kiwis could have got. They've already got yes. Afghanistan, India and Pakistan yep. in their group, which are three incredibly difficult games. But can it, you imagine if it was the other way around, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh right exactly. up in that group as well? You're, <laughs> you're on a hide into nothing, but to come <laughs> second in that group is going to be very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. I, do th- I actually do think Sri Lanka and Bangladesh may rock the boat. Uh, a little mm. bit here. And I can see them beating teams like Australia that are, for whatever reason, at T20 cricket, reasonably inconsistent and have been yeah. for the last 18 months. And also not played loads of cricket. So I can see yeah. them rocking the boat there. And I, I think it creates... Um, group one probably becomes the hardest group of every single game that you're going to yeah. play because you've got the two test yeah. nations coming into it. Whereas... Mm. Um, group two is really difficult. You've got Afghanistan, India and Pakistan in it, and it's going to be really difficult to qualify mm. from that. But if you'd thrown the two test nations in there as well, it would just, it would be absolutely 
ridiculously difficult to try and qualify. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you look at these groups, you, ideally you would have wanted Sri Lanka and Bangladesh splitting up. Yeah. If you, if you were in, you know, if you're a team in one of those groups, but that's the way it shook out. And there is, there is no game off, is there, in Group 1? There shouldn't be in a World Cup, you know, no. in fairness. You know, and this is what they want. And they, they keep changing the formats of these competitions, but it looks to me as if they've created two groups of solid cricket. There's no, no one making up the numbers. Namibia, if they'd have just qualified behind the scenes somewhere, would have been going, oh, Namibia, what are they doing here? Yeah. But we've seen, you know, front row seats of what they've achieved. They deserve their place here. They've outplayed some of these other nations you would have expected uh, to be in the World Cup. Um, so there's not going to be an easy game, but that group one is is rough as, isn't it? Australia, they might be a bit vulnerable. You know, South Africa, open it up. So the first game is in Abu Dhabi uh, tomorrow is Australia against South Africa, um, followed by England-West Indies. Uh, Sri Lanka get underway against Bangladesh, like we said, but and India-Pakistan on Sunday afternoon. That's box office. Yeah. Um, that's going to be incredible. We, we, you know, we can't get enough of watching Indian cricket. Pakistan cricket, we think, is underrated. Um, that's going to be an incredible one. And, and then Scotland get underway against Afghanistan. Uh, where's Namibia, Rob? Where's Namibia? Where's their first game? Scotland, is that right? Scotland. Or have I missed them? Yeah, Scotland. Yeah. So Scotland will have had a bit of bit of game time under them as well. Namibia gets a bit of a rest. They don't play till, uh, till Wednesday. I think if I'm Namibia and I think if I'm Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, I'm a little bit disappointed I'm not coming up against one of the bigger teams uh, straight off the bat that yeah. we, you're playing somebody else from the qualifying. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. You, you would have thought they would come in and hey, here's your prize. You can go play against one of the big boys, have a good time doing it. You might struggle, but we've seen these games and it kind of becomes not a null and void, but you want you want new things to tune into all the time. And it's fine to have a break and the, these games come later down the road. But yeah, I, I think they've got their fixtures slightly out of whack with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at the, um, the games coming up. Like we said, it's Australia, South Africa. Um, I think that's two unknown quantities, uh, which is bizarre to say the least when you're talking about Australia and South Africa. Both absolutely chock full of household names, but Australia have hardly played any cricket. South Africa are a bit of a, not quite sure, bit of a transition that likes to do Plessis and others aren't made, haven't made the squad. Um, how do you see that one shaking out? And then we'll, we'll just have a little chat about England, really, just about what, we, what we've heard recently and what uh, we might expect with them. I, I think Australia are a good team and there's lots of good players. And I think if the World Cup was in Australia, I'd feel a lot more confident about what they're going to go and be able to achieve. The bowling attack is good. Um, I, I do worry about their ability to, to win games of cricket. And it's based on the fact that they constantly keep coming up short time and time again. They're not mm. quite good enough. They've, they've had issues in camp. They've got issues with the coach. It's not a settled squad, although the players turning up are the guys you would expect, it's not settled. You've got David Warner in the most horrendous run of form since, I don't know, who's had a bad run of form? Me in 2004. <laughs> like, it's, it's absolutely abysmal. And there's question marks around what's going to happen with the top of the order. Can you afford to have David Warner in there just because he's a name? Um, maybe, mm. maybe you need to make changes. But I think South Africa's probably got a better chance. Guys like Rabada are real game changers. We've seen Van der, I'm going to might pronounce his name wrong, Van der Dusen in the middle order scoring mm. 80 odd the other day in a warm up game. They're, mm. they're, they're both good teams. I don't think they're both the best teams in the tournament. No, no, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, let's just wrap it up with, with, a, with a little bit of England chat, Rob. They played against New Zealand in a warm up. England got a win. They got, they got beat by India in the first warm up, but they actually beat India, uh, sorry, New Zealand in the warm up. Um, 163 they put on the board. 
Josh Butler, 73. That's good. We, obviously, you've got your doubts about him at the top of the order like I have as well. 73 or 51. It's good to see him in some form. Um, if you use bits and pieces scores. Um, huge concern in the middle order, though. Owen Morgan came back into the team. 10 off 11 balls. I think he's even said himself how for the, you know, he won't play if, if he thinks it's for the better of the team. Yeah. Um, and like we said before, I just don't see how that top order accommodates Owen Morgan. Well, you know, you know, Liam Livingston is fit. We, we had a concern about his, his finger, but he's fit and going in. He played in this game. He only got one run, but he was batting down with the bowlers just about. Um, that's no good for somebody like him. So it's a big question mark there. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> pick up from there if you want, Rob. But, I, I don't, I don't um, know where you fit him in. I, th- I think the question mark at the moment, which is daft because he's been a very good player for two years now. Davin Milan at three has looked very, very mm. average. And yep. that's f- like we keep saying, it's fine to chew up a few balls and get in and then but. add your 50, 60 and, you know, provide the platform for people to go nuts around because you've got those players in the England team. You've got explosive players. You need something, something else. How, how, what's the tolerance level around that before yeah. we go, oh, you know what, we're going to put Bairstow at three and just watch him go bang in case we lose a, an early wicket. Keep the power play yeah. runs going. I also think mm. we're a better team when we've got a Moeen Ali coming in at six and seven. Yeah, um, Just an incredible striker of a ball. And Sam Billings has given a really, really good account of himself mm. in um, white ball cricket for England over the, the last time. So it, mm. it's, it's, it is hard. For the, it's stupid. It's hard for this England team to work mm. out what the best starting 11 is. And you know what? I'm going to put it out there. Jason Roy has not been in good form for, for a mm. little while maybe Jason Roy is where a change happens if he doesn't strike hot in the first couple of games and you get Bairstow moving up to open. Yeah, Bairstow's the key, isn't he? He can go up to open, he can run bat at three, can't he? Um, and that accommodates Livingston and, and Morgan in that <laughs> middle order and then Moe and Ali coming in afterwards. So, yeah, I think there's a better balance there. But there's, there's, there's a shoe to drop, isn't there, in this lineup? You can't have Livingston too, too far down the order. Unless there's an injury, there's a decision to be made by one with one of these players. Whether it's Dawid Milan, who's had a pretty incredible couple of years running T20 cricket, whether it's Jason Roy or whether it's Morgan himself. So yeah. that's going to be really interesting. Uh, with the ball, Mark Wood got himself a few wickets. Good to see. Good to see. I hope he stays fit. You know, that pace attack with him and Timon Mills. Really, that's the big thing I'm looking to see is how those <clears> England quicks uh, perform over here. Obviously, it's the spinners are going to be important, but it's uh, we need the quicks to... Uh, to show up as we've seen in this qualifying with the number of quick bowls at the top of the innings. They've bowled really well and took, took wickets, haven't they? They were the ones that have got that extra pace. So those boys bring the juice. Um, England have got a chance to knock a few top orders over. Yeah, yeah, they do. Wood, Wood is going to be critical. He was he was really good here. He had his he had his over at the start, but it was when he came back on during those middle overs. Um, mm. You know, the Liam Plunkett role we see in one day cricket, except it was with zip and he picked up three wickets over 12 and over 14 which just mm. changed the game. Yeah, New Zealand were already wickets down at that time. Mm. But those middle overs, if you're churning away one or two wickets, it's changing who's there at the end. And they're not really mm. settled in. And it changes how teams can then approach the last four overs. Um, they, they, look a good, they look a good team, mate. They look a good yeah. team. I was really impressed to see Adil Rashid bowl well as well. That was mm. <clears throat> really critical. Plus, he managed <laughs> to get Conway out. He got Guptill out. And he got Mark Chapman, who's a good player, a spin out. Nice. Um, so really, really impressed by England. I expect to see them do well in this tournament. We all do because yeah. they're, they're a great white ball unit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just a very quick point on Adil Rashid. I think he played one game in the IPL. It was such a fanfare, a big moment that he'd been selected in the IPL this year. He played one game. Can someone tell me why he played one game? I've no idea, mate. I've no bizarre. idea. Absolutely bizarre. But I'm looking forward to Australia, South Africa. Gets things underway tomorrow. You might more than likely have already seen that by the time you listen to this. But England, West Indies will be all over it, I'm sure, Rob, at some point in the not too distant future. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. And West Indies, team that England playing against, a little bit out of form. I don't know if you've seen this. They got absolutely battered by Afghanistan in, in, don't, in the Afghanistan. Don't tell West Indies. They don't worry about it until opening night, mate. They're no, just, they don't. They're just ironing the kinks out, buddy. They're not bothered. Yeah, yeah, they do. They'll just turn up. <laughs> Afghanistan won 19 and West Indies 133 for five. Now, it was a very rotated top of the lineup for them, but they mm. did lose to Pakistan previously. And. Mm-hmm. Still didn't quite perform very well. I didn't see Chris Gale. I'm not saying anything negative about West Indies because they'll come out and put 220 on the board against (laughs) England and bowlers out for 100 if I do. They've got that ability and they might also be all out for 100 and we put 220 on against them, but they've got every ability to win every game in this tournament and go all the way. Um, But we shall see. Yeah, just get on with it now, isn't it? Warm-ups are never the same. When, When it's not, I know it's still an international game, it's still an international fixture, but it's not the same when it's on the eve of a tournament. It's just a, it's a friendly, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, no, looking forward to it, mate. Bring it on. Um, good podcast. Quick, quick raise of the cup of tea for a, a thousand subs and for, and for the chase. Cheers, Chase. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheers, Chase. <laughs> um, but no, looking forward to the competition kicking in. We'll be back every couple of days with an update to see what's going on and talk about everything that's going on in the competition. So really exciting times, guys. World Cup, it's two World Cups in two years, which is absolutely insane, but it's the first one in five years and it's it's about to go down and it's about to get very, very real. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll catch you guys next time.